Take your mics off, or maybe the level. No, the levels are just really low. <laughs> All right. I asked. I asked. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Can you hear me now? Is Bambi still alive? That's what I asked. Well, I did. I wasn't hunting deer, and Bambi was a deer. Very cute deer. Well, until he grew up. And then, and then he was a picturesque stag. Right. I don't think he's still alive because Bambi was created in what, the 30s? So what happened to him? Well, I just don't think deer lived for 100 years. So did he die of old age or did somebody get him? Very, very few deer, elk, you know, wildlife die of old age. They usually will die horrifically. Bambi probably was eaten. Torn apart by a mountain lion. Really? Yeah, I think that's the most common cause of death for deer in... Mountain lions. Utah. Really? Yeah. So there's a healthy population of mountain lion out there. It's a not healthy population of mountain lions. I think there's probably too many. Oh, really? In, in, and I'm talking about Utah. Um, the estimates, and maybe someone will have to fact check me on this, but they, the esti- there's an estimated 100,000 deer killed by mountain lions every year in utah and i think my math's right whoa what what a hundred thousand deer killed by mountain lion they'll say a, a, a mountain lion will kill one deer a week really and there's between okay. two and three thousand mountain lions in utah in 52 weeks a year so I, I don't know did i do the math right I'll tell you. Let me let me do that on the calculator here. <clears throat> so you said how many mountain lion? Two, two, let's two, say twenty five hundred. Yeah, between two and three thousand, I think. And some people say that's a, even a low count. But even at, at two thousand, at one a week is a, is, a, is about a hundred thousand deer a year. One hundred thirty thousand for two hundred twenty five hundred mountain lion to kill a deer a week. It's a lot of deer. Yeah, and I think in the state of Utah, there's like between three hundred and three hundred fifty thousand deer so one out of every three deer is dying out from a mountain lion attack that's the circle of life yeah but see here's the problem right if you try to cull the predators you get people come out of the woodwork and they get crazy about it people don't want to do a mountain lion hunt yeah, they don't, they, you know, if you talk about wolves or mountain lions or other predators, and I get it, I like predators. I think they're cool. They're cool to see in the wild. I think our, our society embraces predatorial behavior and predators in general. <laughs> they generally uh, elevate them to the highest levels of office in all the institutions. Yeah, I think you're um, right. I think you're onto something. Maybe it's a subconscious Subconscious thing. problem. Anyway, but I, I was in a different state hunting a different species. Of predator? No, of ungulate. Okay, what's ungulate? I was, That's I was a good el- word. I was elk hunting. Look that up. And an ungulate, the a question- hoofed, a hoofed mammal. Wow, that was I pulled that one right out of the bag. There, I'm. 
I'm impressed. Uh, that's a, a word that every elk hunter knows. Ungulate. <laughs> a hoofed mammal. Okay, so uh, you were hunting ungulate. Yeah. And your original question, is Bambi still alive, is a different way of saying, was I successful? And the answer <laughs> is, I don't know. Okay. And everyone at home is going, what? What? Well, one of the unfortunate uh, uh, occurrences, somewhat common and unfortunate occurrences with archery hunting is that you will shoot an animal and never see it again. And that's what happened to me. So I don't know if he's alive or dead. Because it's not as uh, quick of a termination death as Correct. if you'd shot him with a high-powered rifle or something. Right. So, you know, the search will continue. I'm going to go back and look some more. How far away were you when you took the shot? Uh, about uh, 45 yards. Yeah, so that was a pretty good, clean opportunity. <clears throat> it was a really good opportunity. And the arrow passed through. I recovered the arrow. Oh, wow. And it was covered in blood. Wow. We found blood on the ground. Holy cow. And we trailed that blood for a while, and then it, it dried up, and it's anybody's guess. Okay. Where he went from there. Huh. Is this a trophy uh, uh, it was a nice. It was a nice bull elk. I, yeah. It was not a record breaker, but it was certainly a nice bull elk. And uh, unfortunately, you know... I, I, the reason I hunt, I hunt for meat, right? I, okay. I wanted to eat that animal and feed my family with it and maybe some of your family. Hmm. But that meat is now gone. It's feeding the wildlife. If he's dead, right? The birds and the coyotes and the foxes and the bears and the mountain lions. And they thank Bobby Flood for this right. opportunity. Right. Huh. <clears throat> so, um, is that the end of it or are you going to go out and... Um... I'm going to go look for it again. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go look for that particular animal. What would be the point? Like if you're an archer and you go out and shoot an animal and then have to go back to look for it a few days later, can you still use the meat or is that considered spoiled like once the that, animals have had a shot at it? That meat will spoil with like, depending on the conditions, pretty quickly. But is that a couple of days or? Uh, less than that. In the, especially this time of year when, when it's getting up to be 60, 70 degrees in the daylight in the mountains. A day so, or two, huh? Um, yeah, you don't have much time for the meat, but you still go out and you look. You, you want to give it a good, uh, a good solid search, a good honest look for, for closure. And you can still recover the antlers. Yeah. And you can, uh, you do that, then you can, you know, punch your tag and, and call your hunt complete. There's no rules or laws that uh, if you do give it a good search and you don't turn up anything, then some hunters will at that point continue, will, will either continue hunting or they'll, you know, punch their tag depending on how they feel about it. Mm -hmm. Most will continue hunting. Hmm. Um, if you, but the key here is giving it a good, honest search. And we searched for two days. And, hmm. and did a good grid search in the area. Um, I'm going to go back up and just see if after some time's passed, if he is dead, you'll find birds. Oh, yeah, you'll Flocks see. Flocks of birds, you know, ravens and magpies and turkey vultures and eagles will be around, and then you'll have a smell. So the reason we do that as archery hunters is closure. It's to, to 
do everything in your power to know if you killed that animal. And if after a long, extensive search, you can't turn up anything, um, you can, you know, it's up to the hunter whether or not to continue hunting. But something that doesn't get talked a lot about in sort of public discourse is is the ethics of hunting and, and hunters, most hunters, probably 99.8% of hunters, whether you're hunting, uh, you know, white tailed deer with a rifle or bears with a bow or whatever the case is, most hunters try to be ethical and take the most ethical, effective shots they can to, to kill that animal quickly. I know hunting gets a weird, bad reputation, but uh, wild animals die, and most of the time they die kind of poorly. <laughs> they get a disease, they get torn apart by another animal, they get hit by a semi-truck, they starve to death, they freeze to death. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to die. A hunter is going to kill an animal quickly, uh, and then that animal's going to feed to feed a family. It's going to feed people. And, you know, if those antlers hang on the wall or whatever, then that, that animal can kind of becomes a part of that family and and a reminder of a of a great experience. So you're on the side of hunters are good. I'm on the side of hunting is good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, so you've seen I'm some gonna, hunters. Well, I've, I'm not going to speak for everybody else, but but most of the hunters I've encountered out on the mountain are, are good, honest, hardworking people that... Uh, that are out there to spend time with their friends and their families and, and to be in nature and, and, and uh, encounter these, you know, encounter wildlife. Something that people also don't understand is that, like, this hunting success rate, and again, I'm talking about kind of Western hunting. Uh, like, the average success rate for elk is about 10%. That means you might kill an elk every 10 years. The average hunter will kill an elk once every 10 years. Wow. Um, some, you know, depending on circumstances, the success rate can go up. Uh, deer is a little bit higher, especially with the rifle. You were hunting for a bull elk, mm-hmm. uh, looking for a trophy at the same time, or? I was looking, you know, with archery, archery, you take those opportunities that present themselves. And mm-hmm. I was looking for a mature elk, whether so or not he was a trophy. A I, I would have not, not on this hunt. It, I was out of state, so, mm-hmm. but here in Utah, I had a tag for what they call hunter's choice, and I could have taken a, a cow elk with that. I tried. I, I just didn't have the, I was not successful on that. <laughs> okay. Well, archery hunting is supposed to be pretty uh, difficult, right? It is. By all accounts, it's a, it's a, it's a serious hunt. It's like, this is, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're doing it for uh, sport, this is like the pinnacle of hunting, right? Um, maybe. It depends on who you ask. But it, the key to archery hunting or to what makes it harder is that you have to get a lot closer. You can shoot a, a rifle at an elk from 600 yards. Mm-hmm. My max range is more like 60. And there's guys who can shoot out to 90 or 100, but I'm not that confident yet. You're talking about your max range with a bow? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What does this mean? What does what mean? For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. 
For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Yeah, that means that the eagles will be gathered together on the carcass. Okay. <laughs> Which uh, we, had a, we had a literal representation of that on this hunt, too. There was a deer on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I should mention how it ended up there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, people, it's dark early in the morning, and a, a big truck and a lot of deer. Okay. We you tried. Me, uh, we we swerved. We tried to miss. Oh, okay, it. so you were involved in this particular <laughs> uh, accident. Uh, luckily, everybody except for the deer was fine. Okay. So, how's the truck? Uh, the truck, which did not belong to me, is fine. Okay. But wow. um, this deer was on the side of the road, dead. Um, again, kind of case in point, right? Mm-hmm. You were hunting and had a an accident, <laughs> and uh, but we we uh, that that happened early in the morning in the dark, and later on that afternoon we came back and there were already birds, uh-huh. including a big bald eagle, yeah. picking at that carcass, and we watched it over the next few days. By the time we got out of there, that carcass was getting picked. Not picked clean just yet, but probably by now. Yeah. They, they go to work. They go to work on those things. So, you know, it is kind of the circle of life, you know? Mm-hmm. No, it, it, not kind of. That is well, the it circle is. of life. It is. Like we, from dust to dust, right? And those animals, they, those animals all benefit from the presence of, of each other. And you have some that are predators, like a bald eagle. People don't kind of treat a bald eagle like a predator, but it is. It's also the national bird. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a scavenger in a lot of ways. Uh, very many ways. I mean, it'll kill its own food, but if, it's, if it sees a, a, an animal, a lot of those birds are. They'll, they'll, you know, vultures get a bad rap, but any bird, any carnivorous bird, which is most of them, is going to be a scavenger of some kind. You know, they'll come and in, land on, on a carcass of whatever and pick at it. And a big bird like a bald eagle will push away the the others <clears throat> so uh anyway yeah so i think uh yes what does it mean that that verse you read there i think it means that you need to look for the signs of the times <laughs> which i think you talked a little bit about last week right without me uh not necessarily last week was more I haven't had a chance to listen yet. I, I just oh, I, you're way behind then. I know. I go, when I by the time I got back into town, that was posted up, and I'm I just it's short. Yeah, it's just I, a, I, it's by, a quick quick commentary on uh, yeah, cosmology. By, by by Jordan Bruno standards, it's very. It's brief. actually about half of what I wanted to say. By the way, today <laughs> today I'm Bobby Flood. That's Jordan Bruno. Today is Monday, September nineteenth, two thousand twenty-two. We are the Mind Virus Podcast. And we are coming to you from the bunker. And right now, right now, as we speak, we are missing the Queen's funeral. It's going on right now? Maybe you're, maybe you're recording it and you'll watch it later. See, I think we're too young. The, the Queen, Queen Elizabeth, Queen of England, she died recently. You've all heard that. And everybody's fawning over this woman, saying how great she was and this thing she did and this and that. And I'm like, Okay, I guess I'll take your word for it. Because in our lifetime, at least since I sort of started paying attention to the world around me a little bit, she's just always been kind of an irrelevant 
old lady. And I don't mean that in any derogatory way. But I also kind of, I don't have a whole lot of respect for the, for the royal family because so many of them are degenerates. I mean, I don't have any any sympathy for Charles, right? That guy is creepy. And Prince Andrew's been involved with yeah. some sketchy stuff. The 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 boys, uh, Princess Diana's boys, and I know Princess Diana was very popular. And her boys, uh, what are their names? Harry and Marv? No, no, that's the guys from Home Alone. <laughs> Harry and William. Uh, William. Williams. There. They seem the. It seems like the older one is maybe a little more responsible. Well, I think his his um, destiny is settled. Well, his right. his dad is now the king. Right, right. He, and then Williams, the the he is the heir to the throne. Yeah, so maybe he knows he's got to be. There a little was more. even talk about him, uh, the queen skipping her oldest son, or her. I don't know her, if it's her only, maybe her only you mean son. Skipping Charles. Skipping Charles and going straight to William. I don't think that, Charles that is. talk passed pretty quick. I don't know that Charles is long for the throne or this world. He's an older guy, right? He's in his mid 70s. He does not look healthy. I don't know. But the, these, these guys, I these don't know. Though. Oligarchy folks have secrets of uh, longevity that, yeah, like my, David Rockefeller, seemed to live a long time. Formaldehyde. Uh, yeah. Henry Kissinger. Is he still alive? Oh, yeah. He, uh, yeah I thought he died com- in the 70s. He's still commenting. <laughs> <laughs> he's still making these comments. He's armchair quarterbacking the but, you a- know, aspects uh, of the dev- devolution of society. King Prince Charles, now King Charles, is, was, uh, he's, been, he's been arm in arm with our friend Klaus Schwab and the WEF and all of that kind of globalism and anti-population and all that crap for uh, 50 years. So he he's Charles is no friend of the common man. Yeah, these guys are well are definitely into all of the popular oligarchy um, problems. Right. Well, foisting, we're, that's foisting, us. Yeah, fo- we're the we, problem. We're that, the problem. Foisting the the climate change narrative on us. One of the one of the royals was quoted as saying, "You know, I'm I'm going to come back if in another life. I if I come back in another life, I want to come back as a virus to wipe out mankind or something yeah, like I that." Yeah, I think that was the husband of Queen Elizabeth. Really? King who's it what? I yeah. It could have been. It was one of those guys. Yeah. Was quoted as saying that. And then uh but somehow somehow yeah, they're in, I, they're involved in like Andrew's involved in the pedophilia scandals, right? Uh, but somehow the women, like Queen Elizabeth and Princess Di, have been sort of immune to to that. And I don't know if it's because they were not involved with all of this stuff, or they just had a certain amount of you know elegance and grace or something. But meaning I, they were good people. I don't know if they're good people or not. A lot of people seem to think Princess Di was a pretty good person. Her uh, crusade against landmines and war and yeah, her her. But it, you uh, know, you can go out and have public causes and still be. A have, have you ever seen? Have you ever seen the movie The Firm? Tom Cruise, Gene Hackman. I think maybe Tom Cruise ends up in a, in a law firm. He's a hotshot kid out of law school, and he ends up in a law firm, and he doesn't realize that his law firm is tied to organized crime, and they yeah they rope these kids in deep and. Is that one where they try to sell him a kid? No, they 
they uh, get some blackmail on him, but uh, the idea is that he, they're, they're working for the mafia and then mm-hmm. they can't get out. They're stuck. Right. And their life is terrible because they're being surveilled by their own company. Right. And their own security apparatus is turned against them. Wilford Brimley is the head of security. Right. <laughs> it's he a good is, sh- it's an he did show. finally die. Yeah. Rip in peace, Wilford. Yeah. <laughs> Some of those older guys are passing finally. Well, anyway, yeah, this is, uh, I think, what it might be like to be president of the United States. Like, if you weren't, if if Donald Trump wasn't fully caught up in it before he was afterwards, because if you think about it, the president of the United States is the most surveilled man on the planet. And if you were not part of the system, if you were not a willing participant, you could easily be, your life could be cut short by your, by your own protectors. Yeah. Because th- does, who does the Secret Service really work for? Does it work for the, for the president or the people that run the, run the, the government? Yeah, I think, I think there's good Secret Service individuals. Cause I, I've met former Secret Service people. Oh, no doubt. But are there bad? But are there, is there even one single reason, bad one? There's a reason they're former. Because I think they, they realized oh, yeah, and they okay. got out. Yeah. They, but well, I I wonder if that's why uh, Ronald Reagan kind of went a little uh, cr- demented at the end there, and his wife was a lot of a lot of the media accounts portrayed her as crazy. I think mm-hmm. she was trapped. Re- yeah, it's Nancy an, Reagan, I think, was trapped, and so she she ends up trying to figure out, uh, like talking to an astrologer, trying to figure out things that are uh, right. ways that she can somehow af- affect change in her situation. That in would spite be, of the uh, control. That would be something interesting to kind of dig into. And if you found anything sub- substantial, then you'd, you would probably end up committing suicide. Possibly. Uh, involuntarily, of course. Or having a car accident. Right. <clears throat> well, yeah, so I, I think the life of Princess Diana was a similar thing. When there's I, controversy I and cons- conspiracy around her death. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's generally claimed claimed that it was paparazzi that caused it right yeah caused a car accident in the tunnel yeah i was on my mission in a a uh british commonwealth (laughs) and it was a big deal it was a big deal for for those guys up there i mean i know i again i was too young to really care but and now i'm too old to really care about the queen here but the queen was in charge. Diana was trapped. And, you know, yeah, we don't know the whole story, but to me, it seems like she showed a lot of courage just to, to divorce, to actually be able to, to, to cause a divorce, right? There was a technical divorce, wasn't there? Was With Di and Charles? Yeah, or was I, it just I a separation? I honestly don't remember, but I, even, but I just said I was too young to care. But even back then, I remember thinking... That lady's too pretty to be married to that dude. <laughs> like Charles is never going to be accused of being handsome. And I remember a lot of political cartoons with those two, you know, uh, and he he always with the giant ears and the long yeah. face. Yeah, she's way too pretty, but he was the prince. So he was the prince. Now he's the king. He's the king now. It says, according to uh, just a quick Google search, which of course is 
dicey, dubious at best, right? I've been I've been noticing that the Google results are becoming more and more Orwellianly modified and massaged right like if you search for the term prepared preparedness for the first several pages you get mostly just um government websites yeah in spite of the fact that there is a massive and growing amount of good online material about you know prepping and living uh independently being self-sufficient etc you know so it's amazing. Anyway, according to this Google search, the couple separated uh, in 1992 and divorced in 1996. And then it was like 97 that she died, right? Which that's a, uh, yeah, because that's a big black eye. And that and that's, I think, one of the reasons why there was talk about Charles not, uh, the line of succession skipping Charles was because he had blown his marriage or something. Well... The drama of the royals. And now he's the king. I want to be a royal. I've never heard this song. Uh, that's all I know. It's, um, what's her name? Oh, uh, the audience right now is screaming at the speaker. It's, um, okay, here we go, Google. Or better yet, let's just, let's just. Oh, don't. The... I don't know. Is it a good song? Uh It's, um, one of these new starlet singers i can't remember her name now well he's while he's looking for that i'd just like to say hey everybody thanks for commenting on the last episode i know it was a long episode and kind of an experiment going monologuing off the cuff there and you know thanks thanks everybody for commenting i appreciate your comments and hope that those of you that haven't listened might have a listen to it i thought it was um important material otherwise i wouldn't have said it yeah Based on the notes and stuff that you posted, like I said, I haven't had a chance to listen yet. It seems like something that sort of gets peppered in into some of our content, but you had a chance without me to just <laughs> go, and that, that was great. Yeah. So here's here's the song. He's getting to it. Who is this? It's Lord. Oh, is it Lord or Lordy? Well, it's spelled with an E, but I think okay. it's pronounced Lord. So it's someone call, who calls themselves Lord singing about royals. With an E. Lord with an E. Royals with a Y. Okay. <laughs> Let's, I'm going to ask Google how to pronounce Lord. How do you pronounce Lord? With an E. The New Zealand singer. I don't know if this is right. It's telling me it's Lord. Well, I think I think for yeah, for her purposes or whatever, that's what she calls herself. Oh. My favorite singer is oh. Did you hear that? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I don't think that made it onto the audio, did it? She did. She let Large. My favorite singer is Large. S- sounds like he's saying Large. Is he trying to say Lord? I don't know what he's saying. Lord. 
Okay, well, so far Google's saying you're right. Lord is the way you pronounce well, it. Like she sings in that, we'll never be royals. Or will we? Or are you already? Right. Were you before? <laughs> you should go listen to the podcast last week and right. uh, you can contemplate all that stuff. Um, no, it was. I think it was good. I think we might want to put together, and I, I don't have to take this on this task on, maybe put together a sidebar link or a, a page that has the, the mind virus canon, the, the canonical episodes, the ones that, uh, I don't like using the word canon, by the, the best way. best of? Because the whole thing on the cosmology was an exercise in going beyond the canon. Right. But we could put together, yeah, a best of list where, because there are certain episodes we refer to a lot. And I definitely have something in mind when I'm talking about my, my interpretation of some of these movies and narratives and and the things that we've been discussing on the podcast current events and and they that that uh lengthy explanation i gave last week will actually kind of set a little bit of a foundation for how i'm seeing the world and i, I was mm-hmm. pleased in general with how that went went down the the linking of hebrews chapter 1 the explanation of faith and repentance and the allegory of the cave, I think, is really, really significant. Again, it's what I think. You guys take it for what it's worth. It's free. You get what you pay for <laughs> here on the Mind Virus Show. It actually show. isn't free. It'll cost you four hours of your time. That's right. You're going to pay a little bit of a price there. Or less if you listen to it on uh, 1.8 speed. Any faster than that, it can get hard to understand what anybody's saying. I've got some friends texting me right now while we're podcasting anxious to hear what we're talking about today they don't want to be disappointed they some of them well, like yeah, i don't, I don't said, know I, I, I know my friends like that material i don't know what everybody else really thinks and, I, and by the way there are a few there was a couple of new folks that posted last time welcome to the discussion robert um well i guess big al has already posted there before Corey's posted way back so robert's kind of new to the discussion here there was there was a lot of good positive feedback. If you guys didn't like it, I'm I'm cool. I, I I've I've got thick skin. Please let me know. You want to respond and tell them that we're talking about rotting corpses, carcasses in the mountains. No, I'll <laughs> tell them later. <laughs> They'll enjoy the the podcast regardless. You got to get you got to get through the obligatory introductory material before we start tangentizing into the real material, which we haven't planned. Right? I mean, that's just the pattern on the Mind Virus show. Something comes up. Did you see something that stood out to me, just sort of abruptly uh, changing directions here? And by the way, I want to say and inter- interrupt Yeah, changing directions again. <laughs> You're interrupting my interruption. <laughs> okay, there's another one. You've had a lot of time to think, so really we should be, what's on, it should be what's on the mind of Bobby Flood today. Well, but, so, but go ahead. What? I, there's some whistleblowers, right? And they're talking about how... So so let's back up even a little bit. So Mark Zuckerberg went on Joe Rogan, right? The biggest podcast in the world and said, yeah, we censored Hunter Biden's story. Whistleblowers? <laughs> but, Did we call that a whistleblower? No, 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 no. no. That, Mark Zuckerberg's okay. not the whistleblower. But Zuckerberg said, yeah, the FBI told us to censor the Hunter Biden and story. And by the way, if you don't think the man practiced what he was going to say on the, on the biggest podcast in the world, 
But he didn't have to practice it. They just programmed it into him and stuck the chip in okay. his <laughs> if you Yeah, if you don't think that that was premeditated, that whole discussion. Mark Zuckerberg is an android. That was not an accident, though. I'm just trying to say that right. what Zuckerberg divulged was not accidental. He didn't but, just go on the podcast whistle, and accidentally say that. Since stuff. then, there's been whistleblowers, I think, in the DOJ, the Department of Justice or the Department of Defense or somewhere, <clears throat> who are saying that, that they worked with Facebook to censor all kinds of stories. And I, it surprises me that nobody's talking more about both the Zuckerberg and the whistleblower reports that, that kind of what we've always suspected, right? That the government is working, colluding, handing colluding glove, with private enterprise, conspiring to, with right. social media and technology companies to, to limit free speech. To limit free speech, to censor people, to suppress certain stories, to elevate other stories. I just think that's a big deal because it's this, it kind of undermines this whole idea of they're a private company. They can do what they want because right. they, they're not they're a private not. company. They're clearly not. But the thing is, we can do what we want. We can stop listening to them. We right. can stop using them at any point in time. We can. A lot of people will say, well, build your own Facebook. We don't need Facebook. What about email? What about you What about you walking out your door and talking to your neighbors? What about cr- creating some sense of unity in your local community? Because, by the way, unity rhymes with community. Uh, that's yeah, where it's really going to matter true. the most. That's where you can affect change the most. Yeah, and I, I agree. But it is. It's undeniable that people are still getting a lot of information about the world around them through these social media channels, for good or ill. I think mostly for ill. Yeah, but but also social media creates a mob opportunity, it doesn't does. it? It's, Absolutely. Uh, you get the opportunity to ratio and, and and sort of pile on people with zero consequences, right? And we've, I'm not gonna, I was gonna say we've all done that. Maybe we all haven't, but we've probably all witnessed it or maybe participated or maybe been the, been on the other side of it and gotten piled on. It's sort of like social media is the manifestation of the ultimate evils of democracy. Remember, people like Madison, Hamilton, early founding fathers had a lot of bad things to say about democracy. How it was short-lived, suicidal, burned out quickly, mob rule. Yeah, you know they they established a republic that they had hoped would be founded in principle, good principles. And we've talked a well, lot it was about founded those. on good principles. Well, you know it, those principles have been ignored. You're right. You're right. It's not. The, it's but nothing can be perfect in this world, right? It's like right. The, to ignore the cyclical nature of the world and to ignore the fact that it's the fallen world that this is a world under the control of, to use the Plato's cave allegory, which I was using last week, we're chained to a wall, looking at the shadows cast upon the wall by people behind us manipulating the, the light. Okay, that's the nature of this world. But there can be bright spots. It's just that due to the ever-increasing entropy, those tend to be right. short-lived. I think the people that had the longest stretches of peace and what, what what's the word I'm looking for? Solidity or I'm not saying that their society was perfect, but the Egyptians had long periods of, of just peace without, without cyclical change coming in. And then of course their 
the known history that we have is marked by three different kingdoms with two intermediate periods of apostasy, if you want to call it that, or uh, tumult before their f- civilization finally collapses. But that's that spanned like a few thousand years. Right. The, Ro- the Roman Republic spanned a couple hundred years and then the Roman Empire a few hundred more. And then here you get to America or the United States of America and that's a so far you know a 250 year experiment and Which it's running the course seems to be kind unraveling of like the Roman, kind of like the Roman Republic seems to be unraveling quickly right in front of our eyes right so so anyway i i'm just saying that especially since after the egypt period Stability. That stability was the word I was looking for. <laughs> right. Whether good or bad, it, it has been short-lived in the history of the world. Did Egypt engage in like preemptive wars? Were they? Did they? Did they involve themselves in wars of aggression? That's a good question. Again, I I'm not trying to attribute to them all truth. There's right. a lot of, of good course. back there, and I think as as Mormons, we ought to really be interested in the fact that. Joseph Smith spent a lot of time and effort trying to understand Egypt and Egyptian religion, receiving, attempting to receive revelation and receiving revelation and producing works on the subject. And Hugh Nibley spent an, an inordinate amount of time going there, right. trying, to, trying to understand what we had there. So there's something really important about Egypt. Uh, there, by the way, the, John's revelation is very Egyptian in nature. The 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 uh, apocalypse, the unveiling. The reason it's called, again, I, I said this last week, but the reason it's called apocalypse is because, or revelation, is because the word apocalypse means revelation. It means unveiling. And the unveiling was John's vision of the heavens. That's, that's what was revealed, was his vision of the heavens and his vision of the all, the totality of our existence. And a lot of people look at the book of Revelation as if it is a chronology. And I'm telling you, it is not a chronology However, it is a discussion of the cyclical nature of the history of the world, and it does encapsulate the grand cycle from start to finish, and so it does talk about the end times. But if you look at it as a chronology, again, I think that we're, we're taking very literally the seven seals and the, the commentary in Doctrine and Covenants section 77 about the, each of the seals representing a thousand years, that can lead you to a lot of interesting calculations and discussions that the half an hour of silence in the heavens. I mean, people, people are making up all kinds of predictions and calculations based on, on that and have been for centuries, you know? So, but you can see the signs. The idea is it rhymes. It's, it's similar. It sounds the same. It's not, and this is the issue with Isaiah's prophecies too. The Lord says they have been and they shall be when he tells the Nephites to search them in Isaiah chapter 23. Nephi and Jacob were explaining that they are and they shall be, that they're cyclical. And they said, liken these to yourself. This is where the Mormon culture tends to fall down on Isaiah. We punt and we say, oh, it's too hard to understand because we don't want to liken it to us because it's very indicting. It indicts us. It, 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 yeah. it, it, it's very... Uh, pointed at us it, it's very critical of us it is it is okay now i'm getting all these texts from people who listened last week just a couple of people are they listening live now we're not broadcasting no, we're not broadcasting live. you got the whole thing right, right there in your hand that'd be cool maybe we someday we should do a live show with like a call-in let's go to a caller 
Tim, you're on the air. What kind of effort would it take to set that up? That's what I want to know. I I think you would just you could just stream it. You on. could do it YouTube live. Yeah, you could do like YouTube. We'd or... have to wear helmets like Daft Punk. <laughs> we don't have to use cameras. I'm sure there's other ways we you could can go stream live. It on audio. There's other on YouTube, audio. but just audio only. Yeah, I think so. But there's other. There's got to be platforms. other live ways to to broadcast. But is there a Spotify live? I don't know. I can't believe we're still on Spotify. With all the COVID warnings, we got one COVID warning, by the way. By the <laughs> well, way, COVID hey, is over. Yeah, Joe Biden said COVID it. is over today. Uh, <laughs> at least Zero Hedge is reporting. It is still the top story. Biden declares the pandemic is over, quote, because he's anti-science. You know, I, I, the, the, the pandemic response and the way that it broke people was something I spent a lot of time. And if you look back at some of that first year of our episodes, we talked a lot about it. And it's fascinating to me because there are still people out there. I still see people in their, in their cars alone with a mask. Well, the, that is sort of the genesis of the Mind Virus show was right. the pandemic, which brought us together. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we, you know, we, Jordan and I have known each other for a long time and we've had some but good conversations. But the pandemic made us friends. Well, what we, you know, <laughs> we, we started going on, we started going on these walks. Made us better friends. We started going on these walks to get out of the house and talking like, I think I sent you an email the first day of like some of the shutdowns and things and which wasn't uncommon we would email things back and forth or sometimes during a sunday school class i would text him a link to a nibbly article or something but you're giving away the fact that we have at least at one point in our lives been in the same sunday school class <laughs> not necessarily when i sometimes when i was in a sunday school class but anyway oh, that's true. we could have been in different classes <laughs> That's what happened. I think I misremembered. I, I misremembered that. Understand, we live in in the same uh, neighborhood. But I think I think I sent you an email like in middle of March, twenty twenty. Like that, it was just like Whoa. I think I just wrote like, "Are you seeing this? What the heck what is the going heck? on? We've got to talk about this." Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, now here we are talking about it and recording it. But I think it'd be fun to do a live, uh, a live, or even a uh, a panel. We've talked about doing a panel. I don't really have the hardware for that. We don't have enough microphones, maybe. But maybe we could do a pass the mic type thing, or like a testimony meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the time is now yours. Crickets? Is that that was that's my, pretty close? That was my poor cricket. That's pretty good. It would be that's a hard one to do. Can you do, you can't do it with your mouth? It would be like, yeah, that's pretty close. That's a hard <laughs> that's a hard sound effect to do. How about those guys that do Police Academy can do? Yeah, those guys the crickets. Are good. Um, we in fact we've been talking a little bit about some futures. We have a lot of future episodes we want to do. We're giving good. ourselves a lot of homework that's piling up here. What we need to talk about, maybe off the air, is the best approach for this Harry Potter project. Okay. I don't know if it's going to be the best idea to just like read the first book and then we talk about it and then we read the second book, or if we just dive in with the books handy, because I, I would like to refresh myself on the finer details of those stories. The books are excellent. They're just they so great, but they're ta that's a lot of material to read. It is. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> so what are we talking about today? Well, what's on your mind, man? Um... I don't know. Like, 
I being the outdoors is kind of like a drug, right? Are you like you having a withdrawal right now? You yeah, get back out because it, it's not just the outdoors. Like to to turn the subject, one of the reasons I think hunting is awesome, and a little background. Like I grew up hunting. It was a it was a great way to get to know my dad, you know, and and some friends and neighbors and. There's a difference. Like I've always loved the outdoors, but there's a difference between. You never knew your dad. I mean, I'm trying to process. No, this is when I was a kid. When you were a kid, you're like your your mom was like, "Then this is your father." <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're like, "Oh, well, I you, don't know if I like this guy. Let's go hunting, son." <laughs> kind of. No, no. My dad and I have always had a great relationship, but it was a way, especially Since you know, birth. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. But in those kind of formative preteen and teen years, it was a great way to spend time with him, and and we had, you know, some some important chats okay. along the way. And and maybe I should reverse that. It was a great way for him to get to know me too and kind of learn about my life as I, <laughs> you know. But, as you're a teenager. Right. And, and some of the guards get dropped, right? Some of the defenses a teenager might have around his parents get, I think, get dropped a little bit when you're out there. But I think it's really cool. That, like, I love to mountain bike and hike and those things, you have a destination, right? You have a goal or a point. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And you usually are confined to a trail. Hunting, you, you're out there and you can kind of go wherever you need to go, on trails, off trails. And you end up, a lot of hunting is sitting on your butt, being quiet, listening, watching, and just trying to blend in and disappear. I mean, this encounter I had with this elk was was kind of like that. We weren't pursuing him in the in the sense of like that you might see on TV or something. We were sitting on our butts, and he came to us. Kind of caught us off guard, but um, I think there's a real value into being in big, open, wild spaces, whether it's mountains or deserts or whatever, forests. And being quiet and being patient and not having earbuds in, listening to Bobby and Jordan or Lord or whatever. Or Lordy. Lordy. <laughs> but just, and just listening, because, you know, you tromp around, right? And your footsteps make noise and your clothing makes noise. <clears throat> and maybe the birds around you stop singing because you've startled them or something, even just passing through. But then you sit and you'll notice. The birds start chirping again. They start, the chipmunks and the squirrels will start doing their thing right around you. And then you, and then you might end up having some bigger game like deer or elk or coyotes or whatever come, come around and, and not even notice you because, you, again, you're holding still. Maybe you've got camouflage on. And I think there's great value in that from, a, from in, in any, in, in, it, it it helps us remember like where we came from. All of us came from that kind of an existence. And I'm not saying you got to go out there and do it with the intent to hunt, but just go out there and do that. Well, you know, right now it's fall, which is kind of a magical time of year when the leaves are changing and it's the weather's getting cooler. I, I really like it. And I can imagine, and I've been out walking or whatever recently thinking now is a really great time to get up in the mountains or get yeah. out of, get out of the city but get away from your car and and the trailheads and the people you don't have to go very far right you can go 150 yards off the trail and sit down on a log 
I thought the wilderness was overrun with people. And that's why we had to get, ri- get rid of people. <laughs> Certain parts of it are, right? But most of it is not. Most of it is not. And we live in a place where you don't have to go very far to get away from, from, that is really from nice. people. And, and the noises and people noises and artificial light. And I don't like that term light pollution because it doesn't really pollute. But that's a term. Yeah, once right? you turn it off, it's off. Right. It doesn't leave. It doesn't leave a poison or something in the air. I don't think. <laughs> but that's you can really, go. That's to, a really good point. You can go to places. You know, if you if you live in the Inner Mountain West, you can you can drive an hour or so in pretty much any direction, and and get to a place where you can have these cool experiences, and, and a lot of times even less than that. And I think there's a reason prophets of old went to the mountains, went to mountaintops to receive revelation. And I'm not saying I received any revelations, but I can understand that that's a great environment for that kind of stillness. Hmm. And also, again, whether you hunt or not is irrelevant. Whether you're pro or anti, I don't really care. But understand that we came from people who who went out and carved an existence out of wilderness and who I think for people I think it for, for for those people for our forefathers it was common to go and sit down at the base of a tree and ponder the heavens and to look up and to see the star-filled sky because there was no light pollution back then the only light they had was the little candles or you know fires in the hearth or whatever but um I think it's an important thing to to remember like that's that's part of our nature is to contemplate the natural world and to be a part of it. We are part of the natural world. We are not a scourge on the earth. We Well, the earth the, this going back to last week's episode, one of the things I discussed is that the creation story is about you. It, it was never about the physical creation. The physical creation was used as an allegory to describe the creation of the system. And the system is to refine the sons and daughters of God, the the royalty, right? right? <laughs> and that's where the hero's journey comes in, which we've spent a lot of time discussing, that you are somebody important and that you have a divine nature and a role to play and a, and a journey to accomplish that began well before this world mm-hmm. and will go on into the eternities afterwards. We, we've, we've talked a lot about that, but... But this idea of the physical creation th- that global warming is caused by SUVs and mankind. I mean, neither Bobby or I would say that we should, we should wreck the earth. We're, we would be, I think, considered conservation-minded, but not sure, necessarily. Right. I don't want to get labeled. Well, there's a difference. Like, no. Everything that is good gets, gets, turned bad. gets inverted, right? And so conservation or stewardship is a, is a is a proper the earth is supposed to be goal. used yeah the earth is supposed to be used for the purpose that we're involved in which is the the testing of the loyalty of mankind and for the betterment of mankind and to illuminate and uh hopefully cause people to recognize the evil of the evil ones mm-hmm. because that's what's happening here in this world. I was earlier on, I wanted to talk about this quote uh, by a guy named Thomas Hobbes who says, and the life of man 
solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short is, is the quote a lot of people will pull up. I think he, he's talking about the life of man outside of civilization, but the ultimate civilization is the real world, the, the living world, and our, our civilizations are always marked by essentially conditions that cause, outside of these periods of stability, like we've, just, we've been going through one here in America where we've had stability and opportunity, but, but in general, the life of man has been solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. Right. You know? And it's not, the his, history hasn't been kind. This is not a, a happy world in general. Definitely we can try to be happy here, but that's the test, right? The test is what do you make, what do you make of this fallen situation? And do you retain or, or regain your loyalty to the gods of light? Or do you do as uh, Satan and his f- friend, uh, Job's friends suggested when Satan had afflicted him? Does Job curse God? and die, meaning blame the wrong God for his suffering. That was, again, part of the whole point last week of the podcast was to illuminate this idea that this is a blame game, and that's why we see these inverted narratives. Satan wants you to curse God and die and and hate the true God when it was really him that caused the problem here in the first place. That was the, the one of the main messages of the cosmology episode is that it is not the the living father's fault or Eve's fault that you suffer here. It's because of a mutiny and a rebellion in the cosmos, which is a departure from what, at least in our culture, what we've been taught on Sunday. And that's, I think, a really important point because we have been very insulated in, in what I call the Pax Americana, the, and other people have called it that. They are making an allusion to the Pax Romana, the, mm-hmm. the Roman peace, the Roman uh empire and and republic which caused a lot of stability in the mediterranean region and you know when you when you live in a a period like that your life is for some of the people their life is very blessed if you lived in america (laughs) you've had a very blessed very stable life no matter what problems you've had yeah, I shouldn't be that absolute. Some people definitely get abused, and and there, right. there's definitely right. all but, shades of gray. But there. I think you mean but like in general, you still can go to the store and there's milk on the shelves, and you know there's very not, pre- not only that in you general turn the lights on and they they come on. Like, in in general, people who grew up post World War II had pretty positive family experiences. Now they'll right. find all kinds of problems. There were drugs. There was there were, was abuse. There was all kinds of stuff that went on. But in general. <laughs> Right. We've had incredible opportunity and and an incredible peace where we haven't had to scrape for or fight for our daily bread like other people have had to throughout the history of the world. Well, that's and probably one of the reasons. It's probably contributed to our adventurous foreign policy. <laughs> There's no enemy at the doors, so we have to go and maybe be but- the enemy at others' doorsteps. Yeah, maybe, but I, I think that that has to do with a lot of very wealthy people who well, right. want, want to. Because, I mean, the regular Joe is just living his life. Right. Yeah, and that life, for the most part, has been pretty good for the and last They have to years. be propagandized into act, action like that. They have right. to be taught to hate. They have to be carefully taught. Remember the movie South Pacific? There's a song in there where they, they, you have to be carefully taught all of these behaviors 
that lead to war. Right. Well, and they're being, we've all been taught those behaviors, right? We were, we were taught as kids certain things, and now the kids are being taught certain things. And now it's just out in the open. They're being taught to hate pretty much everybody's just being taught to hate everybody else. Right. And the old, more gentle, or is it genteel, the old, more honorable society, whether, whether you like the, you know, all of its faults included, that more traditional honor is out the window. I mean, and we, and we are, we have a society that where half of the people or, or maybe not half, but I hope it's a smaller percentage, maybe a quarter of the people are openly embracing psychoses that are, you know, and mental illness where they're trying to let this trans agenda into the, into the equation. I mean, that is a mental illness. It is. When, you, when you're going to em- encourage kids to think they're a different gender or you personally think you're not who you are. Right. Right. And we're seeing that manifest in some of the most absurd ways. Yeah. And I think it's all just designed to break us, to, to just deteriorate this society that's been thriving into a chaotic, you know, degenerate mess. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, the Batman Begins movie was sort of a documentary on this subject. Remember, Raz Al Ghul explains it to Bruce Wayne at one point. He's mm-hmm. he's like, "Look, we've just we've just been helping the League of Shadows, right? Is what he calls his his organization. We've just been helping this uh, process, uh, this cyclical process, and now Gotham is ripe for destruction. So we're going to let it we're going to let it be destroyed, right? And of course, Batman." keeps it from happening, keeps everybody from going crazy. I'm Batman. <laughs> Pretty good. Say it louder. <laughs> I'm Batman. Did you ever see the parody? I want to say it was... The growly voice of uh, Christian Bale? Yeah, there was a parody, and, and the guy playing the Joker, it's kind of the um, Heath Ledger version of the Joker. He's like, I, come again? <laughs> well, I don't know what you're trying to say, Batman. Like, can you can you enunciate your words? <laughs> we'll have to link to that. It was pretty good. Well, yeah, I think the movies, uh, our entertainment. You know, they say life imitates art, and that's true. And art imitates life. And I think there's a lot, uh, a lot of this sort of. A lot of this just gets inadvertently or unintentionally laced into our entertainment and our discourse. And, you know, we've, we've often talked, like, we've often asked the question, did J.K. Rowling really know what she was doing or was it just sort of there? And it's probably a little bit of both. <clears throat> I, think it, I think a lot of this stuff is just in the air, right? It's, there's certain things that there's you know, spirits, if you want to call them that, are movements. Well, our, And I think we're experiencing, I think right now there is such thing as a great awakening that's happening. The question that I have is, will it mean anything? Will it amount to anything? So, w- by the way, what, I'm going to ask you, what do you mean by the great awakening? But it was the episode 81 on Mockingbird, which I think was about the CIA mm-hmm. uh, pl- in being involved in Hollywood and controlling the narratives and stuff. So I want to throw that out there because I do think some of it is 
organic, but S- some of it definitely. But a lot of it has been intentionally fomented by the absolute, intelligence services. Absolutely. So that was our episode that got the COVID nineteen warning. By the way, on Spotify, I think it's the only one we've made a big deal about that. It's like a badge of honor, right? Getting the uh, getting a COVID warning. Well, anyway, what do you mean by this great awakening? Talk about that a little bit more. Well, you we we mentioned it. Uh, I think we mentioned it today, right? Just people are. Is this good or bad? Or are people waking? Because there's, people are there's the wokeness. People are starting there's to like realize. There's like awa- a fake awakening. Yeah. Again, everything's got its counterfeit. People are starting to realize that the world is not what they were taught it was or told it was. Whether it's, I think COVID, the response to COVID really awakened a lot of people. And they realized, you know what? The CDC the government, the local government, the school boards, these aren't what we thought they were. Mm-hmm. The irony is a lot of this stuff was unmasked while we were all being told to mask up, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, and depending, I guess, on where you were at the start of all of this, you kind of realize like, wow, nothing, nothing was what it seemed. Nothing was what we were told. But so I think COVID helped with that. I think going back even farther, I mean, we've both talked about how the financial crisis sort of opened our eyes and 9-11 sort of opened our eyes and not as much me back then. I, right after 9-11, I was like, let's go get them, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, but slowly after that, it was like, I think it was you <laughs> who were like, hey, have you ever heard of uh, World Trade Center 7? Building 7, I'm like, no, what's that? <laughs> and then you can never go back once you, you well, once some people will the the, the government re- <laughs> released that report called the NIST report National Institute of Standards yeah, and Technology but, which claimed that it was office fires that caused the building to fall in Was free- it office fires that caused ABC News or whoever it was to report that it had been collapsed before it while fell. it was still standing yeah. behind the reporter? I, I know, I know, I know, I know. And I'm well, I'm with I you know. on this, but it's like but, but it's but, like building seven is, is, uh, yeah. But for some people, it was like the, it was the BBC that had the reporter that was re- yeah. reporting that it had fallen before it fell. And then it, it crimps in the middle. That's the thing that all the, all the researchers are saying, look, building seven is a smoking gun because it crimps in the middle and it falls at free fall speed. And it looks just like one of the casino demolitions. And it that, falls at, it falls hours after the towers fell. Yeah. And there's no office fires in that building. Well, but that's what the government... Right, I know. They will always provide you a narrative. Of course. And Building 7 is sort of the fulcrum by which the architects and engineers groups go around and try to get people to look at 9-11 and say, hey, this is not not natural. This is is a man-made event. For some people, I think that Epstein killed himself was an awakening. Like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. For some, maybe maybe it was the Las Vegas shooting, which has never had an explanation other than it was a disgruntled gambler who decided to bring shoot shoot thousands of rounds, shoot up a concert with forty. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, and for some, I think it's just the general. It's just it's in the air. There's this. It's really hard right now. You have to really try hard, I think, to not start to see that something's not right you have to really have that mask up over your nose and I'm over your eyes what you said you have to try very hard to not see yeah. that something is 
wrong. I think most people, just common sense people who are still rational, who are still seeing and processing what's in front of them, are saying something's messed up. You have others, for whatever reason, whether their minds have been broken or they're brainwashed or they just don't want to, they don't want to even entertain the idea that everything is broken, <laughs> which I understand, right? It's a scary thought. We but talked about I, the five stages of grief, right? I think so. And what's the first one? Well, it's not just a river in Egypt. It's denial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Which is not just a river in Egypt. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and so maybe people are actually going through something like that. Where, But I... I there's obviously, I mean, there's people that who are just way over the top who are still, like I mentioned, still people wearing the masks in their cars or getting their seventh and eighth booster shots. By the way, there's still television ads for the boosters brought to you by Pfizer. And the, the ad that I mentioned a few weeks ago that's playing in the grocery store is still playing. And it's common. It's, it like cycles every five minutes. You hear it. You go to the store, if you listen for it, You'll hear it three or four times, depending on how long your shopping takes. But, so what I mean by a great awakening, I think, is that more and more people are starting to realize that something's wrong. And then I think on, you also have more and more people starting to realize, they go from, okay, something's wrong, to realizing that there's also... Something's really wrong. There's Something's <laughs> really wrong, but also... There's a lot of people figuring this out, and there's a lot of truth being spoken out here. There's a lot of people that are latching on to, to truth and to, to I, I, it's almost like, I don't think it's spilled over yet to become sort of a revival, but I think we could be on the cusp of a major revival in this country, and I think we need yeah. that in a bad, bad way. Well, but we're, we're in, uh, we're ripe for one of those, uh, reversals of narratives like the corona circus guys were warning about that they're gonna yeah. you're gonna switch us to the matreya or something or to space alien overlords well and that's where we've got to be careful because we we are in a position where somebody some charismatic person you know trump was sort of a forerunner of the type of this person you know stands up and says i'm gonna fix it all and we, everyone, everyone becomes enthralled. All the, the all the truth yeah. seekers, all the people who are awake in this awakening, are like, "Yes, we're looking for a savior." And we end up getting burned because he's just a, a false savior. Well, but the wor the worst possible outcome is not that we get burned; it's that we switch into a new period of stability with a false belief, with an unbelief, or a stability, an, an, an unreality, a stability based on authoritarianism, authoritarianism, totalitarianism. Yeah. Where we we realize six months or a year later that w the things we worried about right now all came to pass just with a different face. Yeah. Well, to, to back up what you're saying about this great awakening, first first of all, there's an article I'm going to link to on Infowars. Now, this is the dis quote unquote discredited Alex Jones, right. the sued the sued into oblivion Alex Jones. He's got a a note on the website here that. Uh, uh, an article here that 99% uh, of people are now refusing the experimental COVID injections. And he's got a, a chart, a picture that he's showing here where it looks like the, the adoption rate of these vaccines has dropped off a cliff. 
So I haven't looked at that. I don't. I haven't vetted this uh, story at all. But well, pe- uh, pe- people that were going to get them got them a long time ago, and now it's just like well, there's a lot of buyer's remorse. First of all, there is. I've seen a lot of people saying things like, "I got my two booze, like my two doses. I'm done," or "I had a, a round of boosters and I got sick or whatever." Mm-hmm. It's just bizarre how hard they're still pushing them, and I don't know if at this point it's just an economic thing where. Pfizer's making a lot of money on these, or if there's something more sinister. I think in the beginning, there was definitely something more sinister. The way that these were pushed on us mm-hmm. was remarkable. For sure. Well, I just want to throw out here this one idea, too, in relation to this Great Awakening, because this is why, again, going back to last week's podcast, the faith, in order for it to create salvation, and I... And I think I touched on this, the idea that Joseph Smith explained that you need to have a correct understanding of the character, perfections, and attributes of God, our God, who is Jesus Christ, who is the spirit of truth. Faith is is belief in the actual reality, a hope for the actual reality. It can't be a false reality. Otherwise, you're trapped. And there seems to be amongst the older generation, and I've just Yesterday was at a missionary farewell and talked to a lot of family and stuff and plenty of baby boomers and older folks there. And and it was funny because some of my relatives are going through this awakening. So I was kind of fun to have these conversations and realize that they're kindred spirits on the, and they're like one of my relatives ha, uh, works in a fairly um, government connected contractor type of situation and had refused the vaccine and, and went so far as to get an exemption. And it was like a miracle that they were able to pull this off. But I was like, holy cow, you went that far? You, like, you're, and, and this person is uh, very knowledgeable, of, uh, is a healthcare attorney, okay? <laughs> so they know, they, they dive into the details all the time relative to medical necessities and what's good or bad, what the studies look like or whatever. This person did not want to get this vaccine for very specific reasons and was willing to retire. But on the other hand, I've got uh, family members who are willfully blind, like you, you've kind of pointed out that you've almost got to be willfully blind at this point. They seem to have in the older generation this opinion that the truth will eventually come out in the media, that it will eventually be shouted from the rooftops by KSL, by CNN. And the worst possible outcome in my feeling, the reason I would cry out to the Savior to to deliver us from this is that we don't want to be trapped in the matrix, in another matrix or in another cave. We don't want to be eternally, perpetually held captive by a false reality. And so I pray that God will come and set the situation right so that we will know the truth. So we will be, even if it's difficult for us to to understand, because it could be worse than, you know, even Bobby or I could fathom or you out there, if you're enlightened, could really fathom it. It could be be weird. You know, it's crazy because, you know, it might be a little bit like Neo when um, Morpheus pulls him out of the soup, right? (laughs) Wakes him up and he says, welcome to the real world, Neo. And it's a terrible world. Right. That's that's the first awakening. That's when the the prisoner in the cave uh, gets breaks his chains and turns around and sees the fire and the people manipulating the reality that's cast as shadows upon the wall. That that's that's where the matrix stops. The great thing is that this whole situation, at least from p- people that I trust and believe were enlightened, 
they say there is a greater world outside of the cave, a, a living world, uh, a not fallen world, a, a an eternal world, one where God, where you're connected to God, and and right. you, you're not uh, cons- constantly assailed by abject and unseen evil forces. The free guy almost nails that. The end. The end of free guy. Yeah, unfortunately, Almost. it's it's a video. But for, yeah, but for what it for what, for what it, is, it is, yeah, you know, sticking with their universe, there, it's pretty good. He he gets to that, but he'll never be what his creator creator or creatrix <laughs> was. That's the problem. Is he's sort of sandboxed yeah, as but, a as a video game character. But it's still a great uh, uh, allegory, or yeah, or, uh, that's the problem with allegories. It can never be the real thing, right? right? And well, so, and yeah, what, I, I agree. That's where we're at now. I this, just can't help but point out the flaws because <laughs> mortality is an allegory. It's not the real thing. This is we're we're not right. We're not. You're in a simulation. <laughs> we are, and the simulation seems to be broken. <laughs> the problem is, it's a it's a live simulation. It's right. a it's a right. it's a a live fire drill. <laughs> right, and and we're we're sort of shadows of our true selves. I think we've talked about that a lot. Yeah, that goes way back. That goes back to Egypt. They believed that the the soul had m- many parts, like seven or nine parts, but there were three really important pieces that I want to talk about. There's the da, the ba, and the ka. Mm-hmm. And the da is your body, which is clearly in entropy. Mm-hmm. And there's the ba, which is your you spirit. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Chaos. <laughs> my my da is an entropy. Oh, I'm boy. having a hard time with it. Getting up this morning was kind of hard. You. I hear you. Okay, but I will speak for myself. <laughs> and uh, it, the body gets creaky. It gets. Uh, I thought my uncooperative. Knee, my knees have always popped when I bend them. That's all. That's normal. That's just right? the way it goes. Well, anyway, the ba is your spirit, and and this is interesting because we learn we kind of stop there in our 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 culture that we come from, me and you, Bobby. Mm-hmm. But there's a, there's a ka, there's a higher self, a higher spirit that's part of the soul, part of the, the totality of, of, a, of an individual. And the ka is a very important element of Egyptian religion. And so, right. so this is an interesting because we don't really t- think of that, think of it that way, but you just said it. You said it, we're a shadow of ourselves, which is yeah. really a significant comment. I, I I think that's I think that's kind of literal. Like we are we're a version of ourselves. That's that's what I'm saying. The Egyptians would be like they called it the da ba and the ka. Right, right. Well, I was going to say something and I forgot now. No, it's okay. This is an interesting discussion. <laughs> yeah, I I love this time of year. It is a great time to get out and think and to be in the fall weather. The the, the crisp. I think the crisp air. Yeah, you still get good weather, but it's not scorching hot. Yeah, I, th- I think it sharpens your your senses a little bit. Yeah, and the mountains are, uh, it's beautiful this time of year, but we haven't really had the leaves break just yet, but they're getting there. I, th- I noticed a few here and there. It's sort of a time of revival. It's a time of harvesting, right? You, 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 but people go back to school. Uh, if you love football, you, you can smell the football in the yeah, air. Yeah, football's back. <laughs> but it, it is a, it's a it's a great time of year, and kind of back to to what I was talking about earlier. It's a great time. It's it's always a great time to just get out and reflect and be alone. And, and maybe you don't live in an environment where you can get out outdoors 
find a quiet place wherever and you know just sit there and and think be inside your own head for a little while and and kind of uh listen to your surroundings uh, it's a, it's a it's a neat experience whether you yeah I'm not going to say you're going to have some kind of epiphany you might but you might you're probably not going to have one with earbuds in and watching netflix and I'll tell and you what yeah tv and sports and all of the other stuff we get bogged if down in if you're not expecting it you're unlikely to have it i mean there, you've got the situations <clears throat> like paul right, right who's running around killing christians and and per- persecuting them and and god wakes him up but that that's a little bit unique you've got the alma the younger mm-hmm. experience but I think we miss a lot of context context there about how they viewed the world. They, I, I don't think it's the I don't think the situation was like our situation where they were fully distracted. I think their world was far less profane, meaning they were they were like Alma the Younger, perhaps expecting to experience the supernatural, just not the reality of the Christ, the reality right. of the the war and everything they they probably had expectations for the supernatural but we are we're like the ostrich with the head buried in the sand in the in this day and age we're not expecting the supernatural well and we don't even think about it it's we not don't, even that yeah you you were going there it's not that we're not expecting it it's that we're denying that it even happens yeah we're saying la 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 la, la don't talk to me but w- what i'm getting at is and and i hope that it, when you listen to last week's podcast if you haven't already I'm talking to everybody in general you would start to expect the supernatural. It's like turn, Plato says the head, the head is chained in such a way that you can't turn it around, but he describes somebody who turns around and sees what's going on. And if, you, if you're one of those people who's like, okay, well, I'm not expecting anything because the, the pattern in my culture is that some guy higher up above me tells me as an intermediary what the gods of light are, are telling me to do. If that's your pa- paradigm, you can end up stuck in that paradigm. Not, I'm not saying it's a 100% absolute, but that's, it's very likely that you'll remain stuck in that paradigm because you're not expecting it. Remember, faith is expecting the actual reality, hoping for the actual reality, and simultaneously it's the means of finding those things out. So one of the first steps is to say, to, to entertain the possibility that that could happen to you. Right. That you could be connected I to saw the divine. An interesting question was posed, and I'm going to rephrase it a little bit. But how do you think? The original question said, How do you think LDS or Mormons, I'm going to just broaden that up. How do you think Americans would react to a widespread religious Christian revival? Like in the old school sense of big revival where people were waking up to and celebrating uh, Christianity and Jesus. How would they react? Yeah. Like, well, it has to have some energy, right? Yeah. I, I'm talking about like you'd have energy behind it where there's a lot of people reacting in the sense of reacting positively to it, participating in it, maybe having their own personal conversion experiences i guess how how would the already <laughs> religious people isn't it kind of happening i think it is uh, honestly cuz but it happens on the fringes you know it's the men go mad in herds but they come to their senses one at a right. time 
I think there is a revival happening. We, you know, like this Great Awakening. I think religion is a part of that. Well, and in Mormonism too, it's happening. There are some fringe groups out there, right. and they they ebb and flow, and there's weird stuff happening in those groups. But those groups are not looked upon favorably. <laughs> well, no, but they're also not talked about. They're like they're they're omi- <coughs> they're carefully omitted from the discussion, kind of like we omit Ron Paul from any discussion in the in the mainstream media Who? or or Dinesh D'Souza's 2,000 Mules. These Who? are things that are erased from existence. What? <laughs> right. So so the worst thing that could happen is for people to know that this stuff is out there because they might look at it. Right. And so it's hard to gauge how much of a, an awakening really is going on, but I think it's, I think it's happening. And one thing that was interesting to me, talking to some relatives about their experiences experiences as they're waking up was they feel isolated oh yeah they had a a friend who's a either a you know a a member of the our same church or who's a bishop or whatever that's also having questions and and to say that is like taboo oh it's okay you know they're (laughs) questioning because what are they questioning (laughs) Which you can't question. You, yeah. you, you can't we've been questioning told that, you can, that which cannot be questioned. You know, we, we've been told that you can have questions, but then you should doubt your doubts. And that, you know, but the, the, in my experience, the problem has not been the questions. The problem has been the answers. It's like, I, I don't really have any questions. I have answers mm. for a lot of the problems here. But that's what we don't want to talk about because it turns out we're not right about everything. And we, t- we have a culture where we teach... Uh, a go- we'll call it a gospel, this gospel. A lot of times people get up and say, I know this church is true and I'm grateful for this gospel. I know this gospel is true or the gospel is true. Mm-hmm. What, they're, what they're saying, I think, you know, disagree with me. Go ahead and, and, and let me know how you feel on the, on the website or if we ever do a call-in show. <laughs> but Jonathan, you're on the air. I disagree, Jordan. Jonathan, are you there? You're a blithering idiot. Jonathan. Um, <laughs> All right, we've lost Jonathan. Okay. Well... But you get what I'm saying is that there's a when people say that, if you've been in the church for even a few years, you know what that means. There's a there is a there is a story taught, a narrative mm-hmm. taught, uh, an expectation taught, and it's and it's cycled through every year and every four years. They have a a, a, a yearly plan that sort of overlaps with the next year from month to month to month, and then they use different curric- curriculum to support those talking points. Uh, in Sunday school, they'll, they'll cycle through the, the standard works, the, the Old Testament, New Testament, Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, and Pearl of Great Price every four years, and then they use those scriptural sources to support the same talking points that they go through on a yearly basis. And that's a pattern that has been going on for a long time. And we, that's what is meant. The things that are, the things that are culturally normalized mm-hmm. is what is meant when people say this gospel, this this church that that it's true and what what happens is people get an inkling that it's not all correct or that yeah or just that there's should be more to it or it's almost the sense of like what's being taught isn't necessarily untrue but it's not complete but i do think that there are uh, there are points that they begin to disagree with right 
right. which have to do with the corporate nature of the church, the hierarchical nature of it, I think is the general, the general thing, because, because the totality of what is taught comes from a central point, <coughs> and we generally take that to be God, but we forget that <clears throat> anything that comes through the hands of men, including all scripture, needs to be viewed with uh, the Spirit and we're, as we're, a guide. We're seeing this problem in secular world as well, right? We saw it with COVID. Like, you're supposed to trust the science. Well, what science? Whose science? Well, and you're also supposed to trust the law enforcement, right? The FBI. Right, right. And the, the, the government. That they, that they have our best interest at heart, and we're now realizing that they do not. I heard many times, especially during the early days of the pandemic, that it, these are good people doing the best with what they have. And it was like, no, no. they're bad people doing trying bad to hurt things. us. Yeah, that's, that's the problem is we're good, starting to realize that. Good people doing the best they can with what they have would have never uh, reacted the way that these people reacted because we'd had pandemics before. Right. And we had kind of a standardized way of dealing with those that was successful. <laughs> And what they did is was it turned all of that on its head, right? right? And just the blatant lying right to our faces, and but it's this idea that you you trust the institution because the institution exists, and therefore it's trustworthy because it's old. But the problem is that the institutions, and this is all institutions, they are structurally incapable of handling a heterodoxy inside of the organization. So the Department of Health. You know, once the talking points and once the orders have been received, the Department of Health can't tolerate dissent within its ranks. And when I say dissent, I mean just disagreement. Yeah, you can't have somebody out there saying, I'm treating people with ivermectin and it's working. I've had great success because that's, that's not, that's not the on talking the talking point. point. It, a lot of it is just self-preservation to make sure that they're the ones in charge and they're the ones getting the, the big funding and the handouts and the power. and. A lot of it's just, they're dumb people. They're not necessarily evil. They're just dumb and they're faithless. There's been a a real lack of faith exposed in our institutions. People. And what uh, do you mean by that? Well, they don't, they just have no faith in, in, first of all, the people, us, to make good decisions for ourselves. They think we're a bunch of idiots that, that, would drink bleach. We'll just drink bleach because. Well, that was that was part of the disingenuity, right? It, it demonstrated that they were not as they're not to be taken seriously anymore when they <clears throat> tried to voice that idea that people are out there, right? That that you know you guys are so stupid you're going to drink bleach. Right. So therefore, we have to ban hydroxychloroquine and bleach, right? Or you're taking horse medicine because ivermectin is also in addition to humans. You know, that was all, again, part of the lie, right? Part of the... Right, and some of us had to take the horse medicine because the, you know, it was more, it was less convenient to go to the doctor to try to get somebody to prescribe it. Right. And it's readily available over the counter, as it should be, in a different form. Right. So, if it cleared up your COVID, if it, like, literally, I have close family members who had, I was there. I guess I'm just saying it right on the podcast. I had lost sense of taste and smell for a long time. I'd lost a sense of taste and smell for a while and took the, the horse medicine to ameliorate that. And it helped dramatically, dramatically it, it, after it, it, having had COVID a year earlier. 
So what does that I, mean? That's I just took an it, anecdotal I took story. it while I was sick and it cleared it up quickly. Would it have cleared up quickly without it? I don't know, maybe. But I took it and it cleared, it cleared up quickly. Right. But I can say I, I had a massive shift after taking it right. and, and, and having had the loss of smell and taste for a year. I think it's interesting that in all of this, whether it's cause in the old days, even politicians would invoke God, right? Mm-hmm. In all of this pandemic, there's been almost none of that from secular or religious uh, institutions. They've left God out of this equation completely. And that's the other thing I, the other thing I mean by being faithless is uh, there's been no or very little right? You can find pockets, right? But it's all been government, government, government. Trust us. We're the people you need to listen to. You can't listen to anybody else. We're your single source of truth. Right. Not only did they take God out of it, they took your local doctor out of it. Well, they took, they took your ability to deal with this the way you wanted to or felt was best for you. They tried to take that away from you. Right. Yeah. They, they remember, remember. They tried to take your, 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 uh, local ability to congregate to to meet with to make decisions as a small group as whether a family you, they told us family. we could not be together right. with our families yeah so that that's how oppressive it was they took away your ability to have a funeral they took away they you know we don't probably need to rehash all this but they took all that stuff away there's all these important coping mechanisms and the way we deal with anything in our lives and said you have to deal with this the way we tell you. They did. They, it was interesting. They, you know, the state of Utah had such strong, strong, overhanded, overbearing propaganda through all this. And they essentially just said, when the vaccine first started kind of rolling out to the public, it was like, get vaccinated now. Get it now. And they're saying, go to a, go to a place where we have the vaccines and just get, get the shot, get it now. And they completely eliminated this process of going to a, a doctor and talking to a doctor about this. They just wanted you to line up and get the shot literally in your car, right through your car window by some stranger, probably some volunteer or intern in a parking lot. We're talking about a pretty significant decision even at least back then it was like okay do i get this and and they wanted you to never speak to anybody about it just line up and go like a like cattle when we're looking back it's absurd it look, is, is absurd. in the moment it was absurd yeah but i mean looking back it's even more absurd it's especially, like look at how successful especially look at how successful they were given what we know now and how these shots were basically did nothing did nothing good and are causing untold harm. Even the powers that be are starting to admit, yeah, it's a problem. I saw an ad on Twitter the other day that was basically saying, does your child have myocarditis? Come on in and get it. Really? Yeah. So it's like, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. Does, your, uh, does a family member of yours have uh, SADS? Sudden adult death syndrome? <laughs> right. Died suddenly. Go, go Google died suddenly. And it's, it's incredible. Climate change is killing a lot of people suddenly. See, and they're shifting to the climate change narrative, just like you predicted. Climate lockdowns. I mean, 
they are literally that's i mean we just had a drought and now you know Apparently, I, I brought up the allegedly uh, allegedly in utah we had a drought i mean i this is the wettest summer we've had in a long time no doubt at least about august that. no august drought about that wet. What did get hot here in September, and everyone's saying, "Oh, climate change, heat wave." It's like, yeah, we've had them. They come and go. You get, yeah. Sometimes you get record temperatures. Sometimes, especially when you put the thermometer out in the west-facing asphalt at the at the airport. The airport, (laughs) (laughs) right? And it's okay. Like we can have hot temperatures. We can have record-breaking temperatures. It happens. Yeah, doesn't mean that we should kill off forty percent of humanity. Yeah, it's. I th- I do think people are waking up. You know, this is uh, an untenable situation. W- w- I I don't know. Well, maybe we're running out of steam here. I don't. I don't. I can't go for four hours. I, my solo episode was like forty minutes, and I felt that was <laughs> too long. <laughs> well, I made a page of notes. That's true. You you were so more I had prepared. like some talking points. Yeah. I thought about it for a minute. <clears throat> well, I need to go back and listen to that. Well, and I think it's helpful material for where we hope to go in the future because you start to see it very definitively in a lot of the great works. And, and I'd love to talk about whatever, you know, which, whichever of these narratives you want to hit. But we we definitely are giving ourselves a lot of homework considering the fly by the seat of your pants nature of our podcast. We rarely do any preparation. Uh, we had a commenter that was telling us we needed to bring in, um, on this last one, bring in other religions, atheists, educators, businessmen, et cetera, as guests. Dude, that would require a lot of planning on our part. <laughs> we've, had, well, we've had one or two guests. It would also <laughs> assume, it also makes the assumption that we know any of those Or that they want to talk to us. <laughs> I would think in the future, if, if our audience starts to expand, that that'll happen naturally. But uh, Elon Musk, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg, if, if we could get a copy of, of you, that would be great. We'd have you on too. <laughs> How many Mark Zuckerbergs are there, do you think? A reproduction Zuckerberg? Yeah, I mean, they, they made, they're all androids. He's not a real person. Is that how he gets so much stuff done? Does he get anything done? He's a creation of the deep state. Is that making him a polygamist? Is his wife also a copy of her? Or does he have multiple wives? I think she's just, she's like the wife in Truman Show. She's playing a role. Oh, okay. That's it. That'd be an interesting, uh, an android Truman Show. The android wakes up. (laughs) Right. That's kind of like, that's kind of free guy. Yeah. But I, 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 I'm kind of joking, but I'm kind of not, because it wouldn't surprise me at all if it came out that Mark Zuckerberg was like a, a, a an AI. Yeah, he he looks so much like Data from uh, well, Star he, Trek: he, The Last Generation. Next Generation. He, he, what is it called? He 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 doesn't talk normally. He he doesn't have the same mannerisms as a human. It's his skin looks like it looks plastic. Android-ish. It's weird and. I, I'm <clears throat> people are like, oh, they're colluding with the de- the deep state and it's, or the intelligence community. I'm like, no, they're a creation of the deep state. They are the deep state. Yeah, where's the where's that source? By the way, w- somebody was asking what the source was on the Bluffdale data center um, being brought here because of water. Oh, right. We got to find that. Yeah. 
can't just say stuff. We have to find. I think you said. I think you said. You said that. that. I don't think I said that. You totally said that. Well, we'll look for it. And and also, user that commented that there's this thing out there called the internet. (laughs) You can input. Here's what this person said. You can input. This person rule on. Rule on. I tried looking for the quote about the NSA building that said something like they are coming here because of access to large amounts of water, but I couldn't find it. Okay, Rulon, how post back? How many hours did you spend looking? How many? Uh, okay, how many minutes? Because it couldn't have been just one quick Google search. And and you know there is a there is a huge problem right now developing in that it's clear that we have um, that Google and Bing. DuckDuckGo, I believe, is based on Bing search results. So that's Microsoft and Google have modified their algorithms in such a way that the that there are no longer uh, links to a lot of material that you used to be able to find on the internet. You you go through it'll say something like there's there's a million results and then it will only give you forty pages of results, and those forty pages have been curated by statists by the great firewall of Google. So, so this is a legitimate concern these days that your, your search results have been massively modified in the last couple of years. And that puts us into a whole new phase of, uh, of existence because we have become very, very dependent on the internet. We, we just, I mean, everybody Googles everything these days yeah we're incredibly dependent that's how you find anything and so google Google controls a lot of what we see and and more importantly controls our minds don't see yeah controls our minds it controls the narratives it's and it really is google it's like 95 percent of the search traffic goes well it's become a vert or nine ninety percent no one says i binged that i I bing i binged something the other day no i googled it up on DuckDuckGo. i had to google what bing was Oh, is that what you were looking for? No. I did a quick search for like... Oh, you're trying to find the water thing? One of the You'll key, never find it on that phone. You need to use an actual keyboard. One of the key things with Google is, is what you actually search for. Sometimes searching for... Um, it's just like the keywords and stuff can really change up the results. So try that. <laughs> try try uh, switching stuff up. But... Anyway, I think we should wrap this up. Um, it's good to be back. Although I, I, I do have some hunting days in the future, and I'd probably rather be there than I tried uh, than uh, dealing with real life. But it's uh, it's good to be back. I tried to get um, some people to do the podcast with me, but I sort of I punted on that pretty quick because I wasn't getting any traction. Okay, so I did That's make fine. an attempt. I did make an attempt to have other guests on. If you want to be on our show, leave a comment and maybe we will uh maybe not vet you a little bit. But maybe we'll give you a tryout. Or maybe we'll do the call-in show and if we have callers that are really uh interesting, maybe we'll have those callers on as a guest. Maybe. Probably that not. Requires some maybe. preparation. Marcus, you're on the air. Marcus, are you there? We've lost Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> That's I did something. Is that how it goes? I did something I haven't done in a long time, and I listened to some sports radio recently. 
Oh, yeah? And they have the call-ins, right? And it's like every other one is like, Thomas, Thomas from Cincinnati, you're on. Thomas. Thomas, are you there? Thomas, do we have Thomas? Looks like we've lost Thomas. <laughs> it's like, really? You guys haven't figured this out yet? <laughs> it's a phone call. <laughs> Come on, Thomas. I think they Come put on. them on hold for a long time, and then they... Yeah, they fall asleep they fall or asleep something. Or, but... Yeah, they drop off. Well... Looks like the data center uses between two and four million gallons of water each month, Bluffdale City Manager said. Yeah, that's a lot of water. That was 2014, according to Fox 13. Yeah, yeah, there's, it's probably more than that now. Because it's probably not shrunk in size over the last 10 years. I'm sure they're down they, there they removed, adding. They removed servers. <laughs> They're like, they had, a, they had a crisis of conscience and they're like, we are spying on the American people. We should stop doing that. Let's get rid of most of this data. <laughs> There's also a Facebook data center out there in the West Desert. Oh yeah, that's right. Where, where is that, over by Twila? No, it's like uh, on the other side of the mountain from Saratoga Springs, near that. Uh, There's a new town out there. Oh, it's like Eagle Mountain West. But it's west. There's a, there's a, I think the high Cedar, school. Cedar Fort. Cedar, no, it's not quite that far, but it's going to, Cedar Fort, if I lived in Cedar Fort, I'd be worried because the, 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 the sprawl is coming. It's like in the movie, um, the never ending story, the nothing. The nothing is going to envelop them. Yeah. But I think there's a high school out there called Cedar Valley. I just can't ever remember the name of that area. I don't know if it's officially part of Eagle Mountain or whatever, but there's a huge... Do we call it the Rush Valley or is that further north? Uh, that might... I think the Rush Valley is out there somewhere. So it's on the west side of Lake Mountain, which is south of Eagle Mountain. Yeah. And it's a big nondescript prison-looking building. Rush, Rush Valley's further west. It's uh, Rush Valley's south of uh, Tooele. Okay, yeah. That's kind of a cool area out there. There's it's pretty great. much nothing out there. I love going out there. But um, there's some weird things out there. There's a little military stuff out there. There's some off the path, like alfalfa farms. It's a little different out there, but it's really pretty, and, and it's cool. Yeah, if you like the desert, it's pretty awesome. There's wild horses. There's pronghorn. Mm -hmm. And there's the Facebook data center. <laughs> It's where the deer and the antelope roam. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, let's wrap it up. Making absolutely no commitments on what we're going to do in the future. Lots of good ideas. <laughs> it's even there. Uh, it's even there on the Google Maps. Facebook data center parking, Meta Eagle Mountain, mm -hmm. and there's these big buildings that are just out in the middle of nowhere. Yep. Well, yeah, it's been good. Um, Thanks, everybody. Brought to you by your crowdfunding. Yeah, Cedar Valley High School is out there. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll see you next week. In the meantime, leave comments. Find us on mindvirus.show. Find us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. Full star review, whether that's four or five stars, whatever the best is. I'm predicting this is, po this is possible. We'll get a COVID warning for this one. Because we use the word ivermectin. 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 
Brought to you by Pfizer. <laughs> Maybe we say that enough, it'll offset the algorithm. Brought to you by Pfizer. 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 Pfizer Mecton. Pfizer. Pfizer Mecton. Pfizer. Okay. <laughs> We're done. Okay. Everybody have a great week. <laughs> <laughs>